All right, folks, welcome back to the Fitz News Studio for another edition of Your Week in Review. We've got some serious lawyer drama in the Murdoch Murders, Crime, and Corruption saga, which is still going. That's right. Three months after this trial ended, this story continues to generate headlines and drive traffic. We're going to bring you the very latest on that case. We've also got updates on two big driving-slash-boating under-the-influence stories, one of them not related to the Murdochs, believe it or not. We're going to get into the specifics of those cases and how they're going to impact liability laws and potentially your insurance costs as the lawmakers at the South Carolina General Assembly debate those issues. Last but not least, we've got a quick political update. So look for all that and more on your Week in Review. All right, so this Murdoch story, I would have thought that months after the conclusion of the double homicide trial of Alec Murdoch, that things would have slowed down a little bit on the Murdoch front, but nope. The story just keeps rolling, people. And I want to rewind a little bit. I want to go back to when I realized just how big the Murdoch story was. It was back in the fall of 2021. It was at a bar called the Original Pinky Masters in Savannah, Georgia, where I'd been invited by a crew from Netflix, the group that did the big documentary Murdoch Murders, Southern Scandal, to do an interview with them. So we walk into this this little bar in Savannah, downtown Savannah, original Pinky Masters. Walk in, there's like four cameras there. There's like three camera operators. There's like light guys. There's four sound guys. There's mics everywhere. There are cameras on train tracks. There's producers. And this is, this is just the people in the bar. Outside, they've got this truck full of a dozen other people. It was like a movie set. And all for, you know, they use maybe 10 seconds of the interview, right? But that was when I knew that this thing was so much bigger than just the stories that, that we were covering, the double homicide that we broke, all these big developments in the investigation that we broke, this, the related civil and criminal cases. But there's something I said. It didn't air. It didn't make the Netflix cut. It was on the chopping room floor as they like to say, but there was something I said in that interview, and maybe I'll find my buddy over at Netflix Mike and see if we can't get a copy of it, but I said something that I think has proved prophetic, prescient, I don't know, something that panned out. Don't trust any of the lawyers in this story. I told him at the time, don't trust any of them, because at the time there were villain lawyers and then there were hero lawyers. There were bad guys, there were good guys. Black hats, white hats, to use the politically incorrect analogy. Again, I'm sucker for old westerns, but whatever. Bad, good. Good, evil. We had these clearly marked demarcation lines. But I said, way back then, don't trust any of them. All right, so with that, we're going to turn to the latest developments in a big civil case involving Alec Murdoch and the family of Gloria Satterfield, his late housekeeper, who died on the family's Moselle hunting property back in February of 2018. This, of course, is one of the mysterious deaths that has been linked to the Murdoch family, the so-called Murdoch murders, and it was featured prominently in the Netflix documentary I was talking about earlier, The Murdoch Murders, A Southern Scandal. Now, this past week, though, this has turned into an incredibly acrimonious, incredibly bitter legal battle between two sets of attorneys. And I was talking about them earlier, the, the, the good guys and the bad guys, so to speak. But we're starting to see that, as I predicted, maybe some of the good guys have been up to some not-so-good 
tactics as it relates to advocating on behalf of their clients. So I want to talk about that quickly. Contained in the latest filing on behalf of Alec Murdoch. So again, take this with an ocean of salt. These are Alec Murdoch's attorneys making these, these statements. So again, we got to take this with an ocean of salt. But according to them, Eric Bland came to them in the fall of 2021 and basically said, hey, you guys got a very important bond hearing coming up. I buried your guy in the last bond hearing he had. And he did. Eric Bland, if in case you, you guys, we were there back in, in October of 2021. Eric Bland stood up, decisively rebuked Alec Murdoch and helped sway Judge Clifton Newman's mind to keep him behind bars. No bond on financial charges that, again, generally people get bond on those kind of charges. But Clifton Newman denied Alec Murdoch bond on those initial financial charges, thanks in large part to Eric Bland. So fast forward to December 2021. We've got another bond hearing, this, this time in front of Judge Allison Lee. But in this bond hearing, Eric Bland sang a very different tune. He and his partner, Ronnie Richter, very accommodating of Alec Murdoch, of Dick Harpoo, and of Jim Griffin. In fact, we remember watching it at the time thinking, what's, what's gotten into Bland? You know, somebody has neutered this dog. But anyway, now we know why. Uh, again, according to Alec Murdoch's lawyers. Now we know why. According to them, the confession of judgment that Alec Murdoch signed, $4.3 million to the Satterfields, that was the leverage. That was the incentive. That was what enticed, according to the words of this filing, Alec Murdoch to sign that judgment so that Eric Bland and Ronnie Richter wouldn't go off on him in another bond hearing. Now, did it work? Not really. Allison Lee set a bond to $7 million. So no joy there for Alec Murdoch. He couldn't make it, and he stayed in jail until he was indicted on murder charges the following July. But again, this was in the infancy of this, of this story. I also want to rewind back to another part of our coverage back in October of 2021. I wrote an article at the time that was talking about this very lawsuit, the Satterfield family's lawsuit against Alec Murdoch, against Palmetto State Bank, against the Murdoch Law Firm, all these defendants. But I want to back up to one of the things I said in that October story. We quoted an attorney who was very closely following this case, who was listening to Eric Bland's statements to the State Law Enforcement Division at the time. And they pointed out that Bland was worried that the underlying basis for this entire case, for the Satterfield family's millions of dollars, that he was worried that it was all based on a lie. That it was all based on a lie. Now, we have seen, and we discussed it extensively in the past week, what was that lie? Well, actually, it's two lies. It's two lies. Lie number one, that Alec Murdoch's dogs caused Gloria Satterfield to fall down those stairs on that fateful February morning and suffer the injuries that would lead to her death three and a half weeks later. That's lie number one. Lie number two, was that Gloria Satterfield was not coming to work that morning, which according to the other people on the property, she was coming to work, which according to folks she spoke with the night before, she was going to work. We'll get into that in future episodes. But all of this was key because if she was not there to work, it's not a workplace compensation case. And if the dogs caused her, caused her to fall, then Alec Murdoch is personally liable which means he can pull off this multi-million dollar scam, which he did. 
and which, by the way, he is facing 12 criminal counts with. And his co-conspirator, Corey Fleming, facing 18 counts. Now, here's where I think all this is going. Because so far, if you, if you follow Reddit, if you follow Twitter, everyone's just, it's one team or the other. One, one team on the side of one group of lawyers, one team on the side of the other group of lawyers. It's the way it's been from the beginning. Boring. That stuff is so boring to me at this point. Who cares? You like Eric Bland, you don't like Eric Bland. You like Dick Harpoon, you don't like Dick Harpoon. Who cares? Why would, you ba- why would you base your decision on that? But anyway, you got a lot of herd think going on, on on social media and on Reddit related to that stuff. But let's actually cut through that and let's get to the point of, okay, what is what if it's true? What if there was improper pressure? placed on Alec Murdoch to sign that confession of judgment. But even bigger picture, let's look past the civil thing. What are the ramifications of this for the criminal case? Because I don't think the back and forth between Dick Harputlian and Jim Griffin on one side and Eric Blaine and Ronnie Richter on the, on the other side, I don't think it has anything to do with the civil case, people. I think this is all about positioning for the criminal trials. Because guess what? Corey Fleming is going on trial beginning September 11 of this year. Judge Clifton Newman is hoping to schedule Alec Murdoch's trial on those financial crimes the following month. So we've got two big trials coming up this fall. I think this is about that. I think that the attorneys are trying to take Eric Bland off the board for those cases, or at the very least, damage him to the point that his testimony in a criminal case against Alec Murdoch is worthless. Less valuable than, say, the testimony of Curtis Eddie Smith in the double homicide trial, which you saw how that went. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's right. They didn't call him. They didn't call him because they knew it was going to be such a disaster. I think that's what this is about. And you know what? So far, so good. And I hate to say it, but Eric Bland, we're going to pull up one of these tweets here. Eric Bland has kind of fallen into the trap. You see this tweet here where he's attacking Griffin and Harpootlin for allegedly ginning all of this up for a documentary. No, no, man, this is a chess move. This is a chess move to reduce or eliminate your value in upcoming criminal proceedings. And by the way, just to say, I I think it's kind of ironic that, anyway, I won't go there. You know, we won't dog people out on a personal level, but I do think that that tweet's a little bit ironic. You know, accusing one people of one thing when, you know, an entire media empire has been built off of the exact same thing. But like I said at the beginning, don't trust any of the lawyers. Or let me say it a different way. Trust them to watch out first for their interests and maybe second for the interests of their clients. Again, count on fist news. We've been the tip of the spear on the Murdoch story from the very beginning. We've continued to cover all of this. Jen Wood did the amazing first article on this. But count on us to continue to follow the developments in this civil case and as those criminal cases heat up in the fall, counting us to be there and cover them live for you. Shortly after 9 p.m. Eastern Time, on the evening of September 21, 2019, Morgan Kaiser and her parents, Sean Kaiser and Stan Kaiser, were on their pontoon boat near Susie Ebert Island on Lake Murray. At that time, a Baja boat driven by Tracy Gordon of Elgin, South Carolina, came out of the blue and slammed into them, literally splitting the pontoon boat in two and causing catastrophic injuries to the Kaiser family. Stan Kaiser lost his life. Sean Kaiser, Morgan's mother, lost her leg. 
From that moment forward, Morgan Kaiser has made boating safety her raison d'etre, her cause to be. She has focused on this issue at the South Carolina State House and this week thought, thought that she had passed a bill through the South Carolina General Assembly that would create a boater safety training for young boat owners in South Carolina so that, according to her, tragedies like this wouldn't happen again. At the last moment, though, State Representative Philip Lowe, a Republican in the South Carolina House, who has been vocally opposed to this bill and who has complained about cute young ladies coming to the State House telling tragic tales about lost loved ones, blamed them for pushing this bill. Our Dylan Nolan went to the State House this week to talk to the Kaiser family and to hear about Philip Lowe's objections to their bill. Dylan Nolan here for Fitz News with the Kaiser family as well as Kimberly Cockrell for Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Would you like to explain what you expected to happen today when you walked into the South Carolina State House and uh, what appears to have, have happened? I expected this bill to pass. It's a common sense bill. Um, it saves lives. My dad died in front of me and my mom lost her leg. I took my dress off and tied it around her leg as a tourniquet so she wouldn't die. And we're just trying to pass boating safety so no other family has to suffer. It just makes sense to me. I mean, I don't understand why these two representatives are so against it. They're just so against it. It's insane. And it, it's almost, I mean, it's at the finish line, basically. And they're still filibustering it. Uh, Representative Philip Lowe from Florence and Representative Todd Rutherford filibustered the bill. Actually, I was at home and then I heard, because I thought it was going to get passed, and I heard that they were filibustering it and I ran out of my house. I like ran down the sidewalk crying, just so upset, came here. I just wanted him to see my face. I wanted him to look me in the eyes while he was making fun of what happened to me on the waterways. Me holding my father for an hour, his dismantled, shredded body. And they were just making fun of it. He made a little a little paper boat and then he talked oh my gosh he talked about how much fun it was to drink on the drink a beer a cold beer and take the ladies on the waterways like i wish my dad was alive to be able to go on the waterways not drinking a beer but like you're a representative please don't talk about how it's a good idea to get on the water and drink a beer well, you don't get experience till you drive, but nothing prepares you for that moment when you crank up that bright red cigarette boat and that thing, that engines come on and you floor it down like that and that boat rises up. Oh man, that's a, that's a thrill. Your hair starts blowing back for those that have hair, by the way. Uh, and that's a good feeling. And those chicks are going, oh, that sounds good, baby. How fast does this thing go? We're fixing to find out, ain't we? We're going to go for a little while. Oh, we flying down that lake, man. And get cold beer comes out. I've done it. I've done it. I did it one time, just one. That cold beer comes out. And you know, after that cold beer hits, when all that good feeling's going on, there's something happens to a man's mind. You know what I'm talking about? Something happens to your mind. That's a great feeling, by the way, flying down that lake like that. Radio's blaring, cold beers are going, the suntans are worked up. I'm telling you guys, that's if you hadn't done that, you need to do that. I'll invite you on my boat. It's not a cigarette boat. Mine's a fishing boat. This bill was darn near to the making it to the governor's desk. This is an emotional day for you. This is an emotional day for your family. 
can these legislators expect you to continue pushing for this bill in the next legislative session? I'm not leaving ever. My dad died and he deserves... It saves lives. You know, I'm not going to... My dad, he, couldn't, he can't have died for nothing. And my mom lost her leg. She can't get up every day not... She, it has to be for something. It has to be to save lives. I'm not leaving. We're not going to leave. It's just sad. You, you wonder at what point it's going to take someone, you know, whose representative, which representative is going to have to lose a child, which senator is going to have to lose a child before this is important to them. And it doesn't make sense. The state of South Carolina, we are, what, 47th in the nation for education. We really need to do better. Start here. Start with this. Education for the waterways is not a bad thing at all. It's a good thing. So, I mean, whether it would have saved Stan, whether it would have saved Sean's leg, whether it would have, you know, prevented the trauma that this family's had to go through, we will never know. But you know what? It could protect the next one. Certainly. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, I want to thank Dylan Nolan for that report on this boating safety bill. And in fairness to Representative Lowe, I actually interviewed him the other day. He did have some substantive objections to this legislation, and we printed those in our article on fitznews.com. You can check it out. does have some good points there, but clearly articulating them, not his strong suit. Anyway, Morgan Kaiser, as you saw in that video, she has vowed not to give up on this bill. She says she's not leaving the state house until it passes, so count on this news outlet to keep you posted on that boater safety legislation and the broader issue of boating and driving under the influence here in South Carolina. All right, so the last segment, we were just talking about how boating under the influence and driving under the influence deaths in South Carolina are completely out of control. Well, here we are in the very next segment talking about another one. This one, of course, story that we focused on over the last couple weeks. It's made national news. It was on the front page of NBC.com earlier this week. The tragic death of Samantha Miller in her wedding dress, literally moments after her wedding on Folly Beach back on April 28. Now, this story... It's got a lot of components to it. In fact, we filed a Freedom of Information request last week, and we got some new details about the investigation in which a car driven by a young woman by the name of Jamie Lee Komorowski, a Toyota, slammed into the back of a golf cart carrying Samantha Miller, her husband Eric Hutchinson, and two other family members as they were leaving their wedding. Miller died again on the spot as a result of that crash. Eric Hutchinson severely injured, as were the other two passengers. But this week, as that criminal case against Jamie Lee continues to unfold, this week there was a civil lawsuit that was filed. Numerous defendants, and in fact, basically every bar on Folly Beach is named as a defendant in this lawsuit, which if you followed the Murdoch story, this is, again, everything seems to have a nexus to the Murdochs, but one of the critical components of the Murdoch civil drama is the wrongful death case involving Mallory Beach. Now, in that case, it's obviously a boating under the influence situation. In this case, obviously a driving under the influence situation. But in both cases, the question of liability has arisen. Who is to blame? And in both cases, we are starting to see that South Carolina's laws, as it relates to liability, are not up to the, not up to the times, not up to fairness, fundamental fairness standards of fundamental fairness, lacking in true assignment of blame. Because we have a lot of companies who, again, are they negligent? Yes, absolutely, to an extent. But in South Carolina, we have a situation where an entity or an individual can be, say, 5% to blame 
for a tragedy, but they end up paying 99% of the cost, which, again, I would argue there's a, there's a fairness issue there. So as we look at these two cases, and in this case, I think it's going to be an incredible uh, case study, just like the, the Murdoch boat case. It's going to be a, an incredible case study for how do we fix these laws? Because here's the problem. In the Murdoch case, there was an aggressive push for, they call it tort reform, for fixing that liability structure. There was an aggressive push in the aftermath of that boat crash. But the problem is that the leader of that push was a guy named Greg Parker, who engaged in some, let's just say, less than savory tactics in pursuing his outcome in that Murdoch boat case. In fact, some private investigatory tactics leaking uh, video footage of Mallory Beach's dead body, the victim in that case, uh, sending people to stalk and harass some of the folks affiliated with this crash, just some really bad stuff that this this guy or people working for him allegedly did. And again, we're, we use the term allegedly here a lot, and this one is important because there is a pending case related to some of these efforts and how some of this footage got leaked. But anyway, bottom line, the guy pushing the tort reform in that case, not generally considered to be a good guy. Now, in this case, could be something different because these are a lot of homegrown businesses. Uh, they're very central to the Folly Beach economy. We don't know who's going to rep them yet or what they're going to say or what their arguments are going to be. But this has, a, this has the potential to be a completely different case than the Greg Parker uh, I will win at all costs and screw you if you stand in my way show, which is what we saw in the aftermath of that Mallory Beach boat crash. In this case, we could have a different dynamic, and that could, emphasis on could, lead to some potential changes legislatively, because that's ultimately what this is going to boil down to. It's not what you think about one attorney or the other attorney, as we we're talking about in the first section. What it's going to boil down to is what do state lawmakers think about the current law and whether or not it's being fairly applied. Now, I want to be clear here. I used to work at a bar. I used to check IDs at group therapy down in uh, Five Points in Columbia, South Carolina. I was a bouncer. Yeah, <laughs> believe it, right? But here's the deal. There is a responsibility that goes with those jobs, scanning IDs, checking IDs, verifying that the person standing in front of you bears some resemblance to the picture on that identification card. There is a responsibility there. There's also a responsibility that when someone gets too inebriated, you make sure they don't leave driving drunk. And the perpetrator in this wedding crash, a 0.261 blood alcohol content, 0.261, that is more than three times the legal limit. The lawsuit reports her staggering and stumbling in these bars and yet still continuing to be served. So there is some responsibility there. And again, I'm a big believer as a libertarian in personal responsibility and that the person is ultimately responsible for their own actions. But in this case, there is contributory negligence. We just have to figure out how to apportion it and how to do that fairly. And that is going to be the challenge that lawmakers in South Carolina are going to have to figure out moving forward because the current system clearly isn't fair. Say what you will about any of these cases, but we've got to figure out a fair way of assigning responsibility when these fatal crashes occur. Callan, this news out to keep you posted, though, not only on the latest civil and criminal developments in the Folly Beach golf cart tragedy, that fatal wedding accident, but also on that bigger debate that's taking place in the South Carolina General Assembly.
All right, so that is a wrap for this week's edition. Before we go, though, I wanted to once again plug, since we got these nifty graphics, right, our Palmetto Political Stock Index. We're like 10 weeks into this thing now, people. I never start something and keep it going for 10 weeks. So this is like a new record or something. But um, this is a good feature, people. It keeps you up to speed, not only on the presidential contenders coming to South Carolina looking for your vote, but also what's happening at our own state house. As you saw during this episode, there's a ton of stuff we cover that is very closely intertwined with what's happening in the state legislature. So there's stories of crime and corruption and tragedy, but there's always a basis to those stories and what happens over at the state house. So it's very important. So if you want to see who's up this week, who's down this week, keep it tuned to our Palmetto Political Stock Index. Me and Mark Powell have got you covered there. That's a wrap for this week's edition. We will catch you next time on your Week in Review. <laughs>